1: Influence operations reported in the UK and in Europe, third-party social media apps increase your attack surface, Petya ransomware is stolen and improved by rival crooks, Google purges bad apps from the Play Store, a convicted leaker offers some unexpected wisdom for prospective whistleblowers, lawyers can't figure out the GDPR, the US is said to be ready to indict four for the Yahoo breaches, and we bid a respectful farewell to Becky Bass, one of our industry's thought leaders. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your Cyberwire summary for Wednesday, March 15, 2017. The UK continues to worry about Russian influence operations targeting upcoming elections. In an odd, possibly related development, Russia's embassy to the UK is said to have been converting its Twitter followers into news bots ready to disseminate the Moscow line. But the big Twitter story this week has been the use of a common third-party app to hijack some high-profile Twitter accounts to spread a variety of messages running to Nazi symbolism and especially pro-Turkish messages in support of the Erdogan government and in opposition to several European states, notably the Netherlands and Germany. The enabling vulnerability the hijackers exploited was in the third-party Twitter Counter app. As its name suggests, Twitter Counter is used for keeping track of a Twitter account's followers. But it did so at the cost of some pretty extensive permissions. Twitter Counter requested both read and write access to your account in order to tote up your followers. Why it asked for write access is unclear, but one of its victims, security expert Graham Cluley, speculates that the app's intent was to facilitate some self-promotion. In any case, Twitter counter has blocked its own ability to write, which the company believes should take care of the issue. The campaign was crude and implausible, but probably had some effect. Many of the tweets featured a swastika with the words Nazi Holland or Nazi Germany, as appropriate, usually displayed alongside a Turkish flag. It's unlikely, to say the least, that Amnesty International would be tweeting swastikas. Did we mention that the effort was crude? The campaign's intent appears to be the discrediting of EU states' preparations to tighten restrictions on guest workers and other immigrants, and to support demonstrations by Turks' resident in those countries. We heard from several security companies about this third-party Twitter hack. It's worth looking to the security of your social media accounts. R.J. Gezerik of privileged account management shop Thykotic thinks we'll see more hijacking like this. Social media accounts provide a high-profile way of getting a message out, and as cyber operations increasingly serve influence operations, attackers will devote more attention to account hijacking. Nathan Wensler of Aztec noted that the incident shows a typical attack sequence. Start with a vulnerable app, then pivot into your ultimate objective. He advises reviewing the applications you've connected to your Twitter account and removing anything you don't use, and especially anything you don't trust. And of course, keep an eye on your Twitter timeline to see what's showing up there. The messaging was generally aligned with Turkish government policy, but whether it was a state-directed attack, a state-inspired attack, or patriotic hacktivism isn't immediately clear. There's also news from the criminal world, courtesy of researchers at Kaspersky Lab. The code for Petya ransomware, a strain of malicious code that's long been familiar, has been stolen and improved by a rival gang. The new variant is circulating as a Trojan called Pyotrrap, which installs Petya on machines in enterprise networks and then modifies the malware on the fly to suit its purposes. The emergence of Pyotrrap is being taken as a sign of increasing competition among criminal gangs. Signatures for the new ransomware are being developed, But as Matt Kingswood of the Managed Service Provider IT Specialists told us, there's no fail-safe way of recognizing and preventing ransomware. Your best bet is regular, secure backup. ESET found some 13 malicious Android apps designed to steal user credentials and pay card information. They notified Google, which has purged the bad apps from the walled garden of the Play Store. Yesterday was Patch Tuesday. Microsoft issued 18 bulletins, nine critical. It also has continued to issue its patches in their old familiar form. Redmond evidently will delay the promised new style of patching for at least another month. Adobe has also fixed seven issues in its Flash Player. When a private company discovers they've been hit by a cyber attack, there's often an understandable desire to publicly name the attacker. That's known as private sector attribution. Justin Harvey is Managing Director of Incident Response and Threat Hunting at Accenture Security, and he wonders if it's time to stop bothering with private sector attribution.
2: It's really difficult when you are working these investigations to have empirical evidence or have forensically sound evidence that someone has done something to you. There's the, the internet saying on the internet, uh, no one knows you're a dog. Mm. And in this case for attribution, there's no way to empirically or forensically prove you're a dog or not, meaning a company thinks that a nation state or a criminal entity has attacked them based upon the malware, based upon their tactics, based upon what they were looking for or the searches but you have to remember all of those can be imitated most digital information can be reproduced in such a way that it could appear that it is that adversary but it's actually another adversary masquerading as that entity or party
1: what about the notion that there's something to be gained by naming and shaming
2: That hasn't worked to date. I mean, we've seen that with uh, President Obama uh, naming and shaming and indicting Chinese PLA officers. We've seen President Obama publicly accuse certain nation states of cyber espionage, but nothing really uh, moved the needle on that until he confronted President Xi Jinping in person about it uh, in September two years ago. Because there's been so much talk about attribution, and I'd like to point to some of the cases last year around the election, where you have a case where there are the yes-sayers, or you have the accusers, and then you have the naysayers. And the naysayers, whether they were right or wrong, brought up very interesting scenarios around false flag operations, essentially masquerading your operations to lay the blame on someone else. And because there's been so much awareness around this, I think that nation states and adversaries out there are going to take advantage of this and you're gonna find false flag operations to be the norm. Because as an adversary, why would you create malware and compile it in your own time zone and have your own natural language? It's very easy to compile it in a different time zone and insert some Cyrillic or Chinese characters and then voila, now you're this other adversary. And with the proliferation of malware as a service and malware toolkits you can buy off the web, you can take that one step further. So I would I would look to that to be one of the signs of essentially the cyber landscape or the cyber uh, field of battle is changing with the sign of the times.
1: That's Justin Harvey from Accenture Security. In the UK, attorneys aren't sure whether the GDPR is legally binding already in advance of its formal implementation next year. In a breaking story, the U.S. Justice Department is said to be preparing indictments of four individuals in connection with the Yahoo breaches, especially the loss of data for 500 million accounts in 2014. One of the hackers is said to be resident in Canada, the other three are thought to be in Russia. And in even more recently breaking news, Russian authorities are said to have charged at least one of the three who are in that country with treason. They say he was spying for the Americans. The Vault 7 story is still developing, but there's little new today. Wired does have an interview on leaks, however, with former CIA whistleblower and convicted leaker John Kirikow about whistleblowing. His surprising advice to prospective leakers? Don't go directly to the media. Take the matter up with your chain of command first, then lawyer up. And finally we close on a sad note. Our friend Becky Bass passed away yesterday. We offer our condolences to her family. Becky was not only a researcher of distinction, but a friend and mentor to many information security professionals. She'll be missed. We've lost a founding figure. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. offer valid for organizations over 5000 employees. Connect today at strata.io/cyberwire. slash And now a word from our sponsor, 6 Sense. so you can focus on your core business goals, confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose SixthSense, visit SixSense.com. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Emily Wilson. She's the director of analysis for Terbium Labs. Uh, Emily, uh, we had the recent uh, CloudBleed breach, which certainly uh, gathered a lot of attention in the press and elsewhere. This sort of thing causes a bunch of activity on the dark web when when these sorts of things happen.
0: Yeah, I think plenty of people are quick to piggyback on whatever the latest thing in the headlines is, right? Mm. Uh, You know, whether it was something like the LinkedIn breach or, uh, you know, now we're seeing with CloudBleed, I know a vendor is claiming to have something like 150 million credentials for these sites that are impacted by Cloudbleed, but conveniently, somehow, in that set of credentials are sites that weren't impacted at all, like Netflix.
1: Hmm. So, so they're they're using the the notoriety of the of the breach to sell unrelated goods.
0: I think one of the things to keep in mind is that people who are looking for the latest set of whatever credentials uh, are going to be looking for the same key terms that we would think of in in terms of what's new, right? Like what's out there. And and people are curious what other vendors have for sale.
1: And and some of the credentials that, that have shown up in this particular breach have already been available, have already been for sale.
0: Sure, I mean I think I think we're all waiting to see just how big of an impact this breach is going to have in terms of credentials and and kind of what gets leaked. But yeah, definitely some of the names that are in this breach, I mean, you know, not not these credentials if these credentials are available, but definitely the these these companies have had issues in the past and there are plenty of credentials for sale and now we're hearing a new interest because this this breach is new and people suddenly care about it but uh didn't seem to be all that interesting to people before with these listings that have been up for months or years in some cases
1: all right so even on the dark web buyer beware
0: yeah no if uh, if it sounds too good to be true it probably is
1: all right emily wilson thanks for joining us